Do you feel like your relationship has gone home to die? If you're having trouble finding passion in your relationship, this episode can help you figure out how you can spark what's next and reconnect with your partner. Welcome to Adulting, the podcast where we want to adult every day. Download episodes at adulting.tv. Welcome to Adulting. I am Harlan Landis, and I'm here with Miranda Marquit. How are you, Miranda? I'm doing well. How are you, Harlan? I'm doing just great. Thank you. I'm excited about today's topic um, because who isn't excited about passion? I know, right? I'm excited because passion is always exciting. And too often we run into this rut where we feel like we've run out of passion and, and we think we have to run off into something else to find that again. But you don't always have to, right? Well, yeah, you can you can build passion from wherever you are uh, in whatever relationship you have. Uh, and just having a passionate life is important all around, um, having things you're passionate about. But we're going to talk specifically about passion in a relationship today. And that's everything from physical, the emotional and stuff that goes on in your brain. Yes. <laughs> and sometimes it's that brain that gets in your way. But so so let's have a quick look at what a passionate relationship might look like. What are some of the components of a passionate relationship? Well, psychology today describes this pretty well and they break they break down passion. I mean, I think I think a lot of us know passion when we feel it. Uh, we definitely feel it. But, you know, let's let's look more into what causes us to to feel this passion. And psychology today breaks it down into three categories. There's the cognitive components, emotional components and behavioral components. Uh, cognitive is, you know, everything that goes on in your brain. And it's about thinking aspects, you know, the way you think can determine whether you feel passionate about about someone. Um, if you think about them often and you're you're preoccupied, your thoughts are always turning back to your partner, that's a good sign for passion. If the way you think about your partner and it, you kind of have to step outside yourself to realize this, but you if you um, step back and realize that you're kind of idolizing your partner, forgetting about their flaws a little bit and just thinking about what's so great about them, that that really is a passionate key, a key to passion in your relationship. And that's one of those things that sometimes will go away after some time after you get used to a person. But, you know, focusing on that is, is kind of what makes it the passion in the relationship. And then just wanting to know more about your partner, um, just being curious and finding them intriguing and just just really wanting to drink up everything about them and just learn more and be a part of their life that that certainly is passionate so those are those are the cognitive aspects yeah and i think that when you're in that state you also kind of move into the emotional components and the article talked about being sexually attracted or aroused by your to your partner uh, feeling good when things go well feeling bad when things go badly loving and wanting to be loved in return and then wanting that complete and permanent union. So I thought those were kind of interesting uh, things to look at in, in terms of emotional components. 
questions. And I found it interesting that being sexually attracted and aroused to your partner uh, is a little bit more emotional than the cognitive, which is thinking about your partner. Sexual attraction is probably a mix, and it's it's a mix for different people. Um, it depends on the person, um, you know, and maybe there's some differences uh, between men and women in terms of what they find sexually attractive. You know, on general terms, of course, everybody's an individual, and not everybody fits in with any kind of particular stereotype. But you know, that'll that'll be interesting to think about in a little bit. But yeah, I, the emotional is such a huge component of of passion. I mean, passion is is almost the way we think about it is almost completely emotional, except that there are these really cognitive uh, underpinnings um, uh, to it all. And then uh, the other piece of this is the behavioral components or how you act, actually going out and trying to trying to figure out how your partner feels about something that 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 helps drive the passion in the relationship, providing some kind of service or help to your partner or being being, you know, being a good partner to your partner um, and doing the things that your partner would like to see you do is something that increases the passion on the behavioral side. It's it's physical as well. And being physically close to your partner and having that physical connection. And that is, again, like the emotional, such a huge part of of what passion is. Um, the physical component uh, is 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 very important. Yeah. And I, I find it interesting that it talks about, you know, working with your partner, figuring how your partner feels. I think one of the great things about increasing passion is when you see that something you did to your partner makes them feel great, uh, that kind of increases your passion, right? Uh, in, in a lot of healthy relationships, um, you, you don't want to be in a situation where it's all about pleasing you all the time and pleasuring you all the time. You want to have that excitement of knowing that you can get that response to in your partner, that you can pleasure your partner in a way that has them respond that way. And I think that increases passion as part of that physical behavioral component. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, there's something to be said for finding the pleasure in yourself, but, but doing what you can to, to give pleasure. And, you know, we're talking about everything from you know, physical, emo- uh, physical pleasure, you know, orgasms and and just feeling good and everything that, you know, that brings you closer together physically, but also finding what kind of activities people enjoy and, and putting yourself in the relationship in a position where you are doing pleasurable things for the other person. Uh, and of course, it has to go both ways. Right. But, you know, it's it's. It's not just the physical sex pleasure we're talking about. It's, it's you know, the pleasure of life. You want to provide that to your partner. I, I think, though, one of the problems that you run into is because we do think of passion as so emotional. When we start breaking it down this way and saying, hey, let's try and quantify passion. Do you think we're overthinking it? Well, if you've never thought about it before, then it's good to start thinking about it. It's good to understand the underpinnings of what passion is. And then you get to once you get to understand it. It becomes more second nature, so you don't have to think about it all the time. You're not just checking off boxes in a list. I, you know, you might have to start off that way if you're a little uncomfortable and you haven't really figured out what you need to bring passion to a relationship or back to a relationship. But yeah, absolutely, passion should just feel natural, um, and you shouldn't have to overthink it. But getting to the point where you don't have to overthink it you have to step back a little bit and just make sure you understand the basics behind it. 
Right. So that brings us to an interesting thought is can passion be manufactured. We always think of it as something that fades in a relationship as time goes on. It fades into companionship. That that spark is kind of gone. Uh, but can you manufacture it? Can you kick it up a notch and sort of recapture some of that feeling? I mean, that's kind of the question that you have, right? I mean, do you want to abandon your companion uh, because you don't feel the passion anymore? Or can you manufacture that passion? Can you spark it again? Yeah, I think relationships tend to follow a pattern and that's, you know, it's really hot and heavy you know, at the beginning and, and people are really excited. You, you know, you're excited about the new relationship. It's it's interesting. You're learning a lot about your partner. You're discovering things and you're really having a lot of fun. And there's a tendency for that to drop off after some time as you become more familiar with each other. There are fewer surprises and it's just a natural course of a relationship, whether it's a you know, whether it's a loving relationship or whether it's a physical relationship or whether it's even relationship with your friends, you can certainly lose, you know, the initial interest that you have in the beginning as you just kind of grow used to each other. The the solution to that is is not to run away from it, but but to find ways to bring passion back. And it's not really I don't think about it as manufactured you know, because that makes it sound like it's something that's fake and you're faking it and you're just, you know, desperately trying to bring something back that isn't there anymore. I mean, that it's possible that could be the case. It's possible you're not right for each other and it's time to move on. But if this is the right relationship for you, you are going to be dedicated to making things work after after time. And people work. You have to work at a relationship, um, right. especially if it's, you know, one of, you know, one of your lifelong relationships, something that you value and will see yourself valuing many, many, many years down the road. We don't just, you know let things happen and just follow the follow the course of the wind as it blows i think you've got to really if this is the right thing it's it takes effort just like anything good anything good in the world takes effort and that includes relationships yeah for sure and so if you're ready to do it and you're 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 not going to fake it till you make it, but you're really ready to get that passion reignited. I think one of the best things you can do is take a look at, you know, step back and say, well, what's going on? Why, why is this kind of fading a bit? Have we kind of stopped feeling that physical connection has, uh, you know, are we making, you know, as our weekly sex night become like this chore where we have to be like, okay, well, we'll schedule this in and we have to do it because we have to do it. Um, you know, what are some things that you can do to sort of take that up a notch and, and, and kind of touch more, do some more nonverbal communication? I, I guess it's more about, you know, touching, holding hands, doing those kind of things that we don't think of as really sexual, but that sort of get you back into that uh, feeling of a physical closeness. You know, everybody has their own preferences in terms of what makes them feel good, what makes them feel loved. And sometimes it's communication. Sometimes it's something physical. Sometimes it's the things that you do, acts of kindness, um, and it's important to know exactly what works for your partner. You probably are aware already if you're in a situation where you've started in a passionate relationship and it's kind of gone down a little bit and you'd like to bring it back. So you probably already know what that kind of love communication is. Um, playing into that is going to be the key. So, you know, for someone who, you know, really feels the most passion 
in a, you know, physical type of situation. And if your partner feels that way, then you then one of the ways to bring passion back is to respect that and to and to work at that particular thing. Um, So it might mean more more touching, more more, you know, really just looking at each other and more uh, more kissing. Of course, kissing is always good. Sex should never be a chore. I mean, it should be something that you enjoy doing. You both enjoy doing. And if you're losing that passion in the sex part of the relationship, then, you know, you have to figure out what works for each other. And sometimes it sometimes it might not be the physical. Sometimes sometimes it's words. Sometimes you have to talk and uh, say the right things and make someone feel loved through the way you talk, the, the way you speak to them. Yeah. And I think that that makes a lot of sense in uh, understanding, you know, different styles. And part of that starts with understanding yourself and what you want and what you like so that one, you can communicate it to others. um, And also so that you're more confident in your relationship. I think there's something a lot to be said about knowing who you are and what makes you tick so that you are confident. and, And then that can be attractive to other people. And you find that attractive in other people as well when they are uh, just as confident and you can get together and feel comfortable talking about your your needs and your expectations i think that can help as well yeah sometimes we don't know though what you know what really makes us feel uh, that way you know and maybe that's because we haven't had that type of relationship that really presented it to us and we haven't discovered that it's worth exploring um you know if you don't know yet exactly what your type of you know passion communication is try to just try different things and be honest about it with your partner and say listen you know we got it we got to try try different things to explore this and we're going to see what works so what are some things you have to be aware of i mean are men and women really that different uh, that's that's one of the uh, one of the things that we talk about. Oh, well, you know, men and women think differently about this stuff and you know, women aren't as interested in sex as men are. So how, how do we do that? I mean, there's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of talk about that. But is, is it something that's a real concern? It's certainly been a concern in, in popular culture. I mean, we have books like, you know, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. And, you know, lots, lots of sources tell us about how biologically men develop differently. They have different needs. They have different biological imperatives that, you know, play themselves out um, in, you know, in behavior and the way we think. But, you know, there's a lot of research that also says that men and women really aren't that different, um, at least not in a um, an overall cognitive way. Yeah. One of the things was there's an interesting uh, study that was done in Israel and it found that only 0.1% of subjects displayed only stereotypically male or stereotypically female behaviors. And they found that there's a lot of overlap in structures of the brain that we uh, relate to female traits or that we relate to male traits. And I thought that was interesting that, you know, maybe it's not so much that we're, you know, really all that different in our brains, but we've maybe been socialized to think certain things. And and I mean, I look at my own upbringing and the sort of uh, religious environment I was brought up in and the sort of uh, ways that that affects my own sexuality and the way I own or don't own my uh, own sexuality. And I've got serious hangups and that has nothing to do with my brain structure. It has everything to do with the way I was socialized from birth. 
Right. And I think we like to th- we, we like to believe that, you know, the only thing that's important is the the biological component component of this. And we downplay the importance of the socialization aspect of it. And we think, well, that isn't real and that can just be overcome because biologically we're, we're all the same. And, but there is, the socialization component is just as powerful. Um, it really does change the way you think about things. And it can be like, you know, like you said, if you're, if you're brought up in a society where certain things are normal and certain things are considered abnormal and you're shunned if you don't, if you aren't, if you don't fall in line and become part of this normal um, approach to relationships, then that has a lasting impact that is just as powerful as, you know, being born one sex or the other. Right. Yeah. And, and, and that can really affect you more than anything else is, is do you buy into what society tells you that, you know, you shouldn't, and it's the other thing, I mean, growing up, of course, you know, uh, I've always been told, oh, well, you're a woman. So naturally you don't want sex. (laughs) Naturally, that's not how you think that's, that's naturally not how you should be. And so then, then you start wondering, well, is there something wrong with me that I'm, you know, different or, uh, you know, maybe I'm, believe it and say, okay, maybe I don't want sex. I don't know. And a lot of, a lot of what I've been doing the last few months is trying to untangle my complicated past and my complicated feelings about passion and sexuality and all of that. And it all goes into it. And it's, it, you know, how, how many of those things actually just come to us because we're told it's that way and we haven't had the chance to figure it out for ourselves. Yeah. And what's what I find interesting is your experience is probably quite different than a lot of people growing up right now. Um, You know, the teenagers are exposed to much more. um, They have accessibility to much more information about sex and about relationships. And it's not always all that healthy. Now, I I firmly believe that, uh, you know, there is a lot of health. Um, You know, it, it is healthy to understand sexuality as you're growing up, as you're encountering, um, you know, the opportunities uh, to learn about, you know, your bodies and everything. Um, but, you know, you, you just don't want to take it too far and you want to find the right balance, um, you know, as you're trying to explore and figure out what kind of what kind of passionate person you are and what kind of sexual person you are. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and and I think uh, like you said, it's it's a little different now than it was when I was growing up. Uh, but you still have some of those limitations and you still there is some sort of backlash. There is a little backlash against at least in areas where I live and uh, where, where the culture is kind of a little different, maybe from where you live, where there's a bit of a backlash against opening it up and having more education and, and thinking about these things more. And so in a way it kind of clamps down on it. And, and I don't know, in, in some ways I think maybe it, it leads to unhealthy behaviors later on because you don't know where to go for credible information. Yeah. Well, I, you know, it certainly depends on the society that you're being brought up in. Um, and, uh, you know, just overall passion, sexuality, these, it's all, it's, it's all healthy and you shouldn't, you shouldn't feel shamed for wanting to be physical and wanting physical, um, you know, the feelings of, uh, 
uh, everything that feels good and feeling feeling that passion physically and emotionally. Uh, you shouldn't feel guilty for wanting these things, whether you're a man or a woman. Um, you know, regardless of your age as an adult, and um, the, you should just be free to understand exactly what the consequences are and um you know as an adult you you make choices and decide how you want to live your life and there's there's nothing wrong with with any choice and no one should make you feel guilty for wanting to be a certain way yeah for sure so uh what can you do then right now? What if you're trying to figure out uh, how to bring more passion into your own relationship? Uh, what what can you do now to kind of get started sparking that up? I, I think the longer you wait, of course, the worse it's going to get. So what can you do today to start putting passion back into your relationship? Well, the first thing is to address it with your partner and, and um, make it clear, you know, what you're concerned about and see if the partner agrees, of course, and, uh, and go from there. I mean, I, you know, the, the key is is good communication always and um you know if there's something that maybe you're missing something that your partner's feeling and maybe your partner's missing something that you're feeling and it's good to open up about this and make sure you're both on the same page in terms of wanting to bring some passion back into the relationship yeah that's a good that's a good point so that's the first thing to do is talk to your partner but then uh you know you can add some things to spice it up uh figure out a new activity that you and your partner can do together uh it doesn't have to be in the bedroom but just a a new activity that you can do together to sort of have that new feeling of adventure again where you're both going out and, and doing something new and maybe getting surprised yeah and um another thing you can do right now is take the opposite approach to the time that you spend together. If, you know, if, if you aren't able to spend a lot of time with your partner because of distance or schedules, then switch it up and spend a lot of time with them and, um, you know, really, uh, really see what happens. Now, on the other hand, if you see your partner, you know, close to 24 hours a day, maybe, the key to finding that spark of passion is to separate for a little bit and give yourself some space and allow yourself to think about your partner while you're giving yourself some space so that when you do come back together, you have um, you have this instant spark of passion. Yeah, there's something to be said about learning to miss each other and desire to be back together again. Yeah, those are certainly things that will uh, increase the passion, um, especially if it's the opposite of what you have been doing. Yeah, and, and then finally, for for those who have children, <laughs> no, nothing kills passion like children. <laughs> Find a way to ditch the kids for a little while, uh, get a sitter, and go on a small vacation without them. It is amazing uh, what you can do and, and how much passion you feel when you're not distracted by thinking about, oh, is the kid going to cry? What's going to happen? And, and finding that space where you can really be alone. I remember one time... When um, my husband and I were, well, my ex-husband and I were uh, kind of newly married a little bit. We were a couple years into the relationship and we were having an intimate experience when all of a sudden the phone rang and it went right to the, it was back in the day when you had the answering machine and it went back to the answering machine and his mother's voice came through the answering machine and that was over. I mean, that was the end. So I think finding a place where you can truly be alone and not have these intrusions can very, it can help. Yeah, sure. And it's, you know, like you said, not just about the kids, it's about any kind of distractions that take you out of, you know, take you out of the moment. So if you can remove those distractions, then you can certainly 
um, you have the space and the freedom to to explore without stress. Exactly. And so we have a listener question. So here's a listener question. It says, I hear an open relationship can spice things up. Is this something that makes sense to try if you want to bring passion into a long term relationship? Who boy. OK, well, loaded. <laughs> so open relationships wouldn't work for everybody. That's that's the first thing to note. Um, and even for relation, even for people who think that, you know, it could work. Uh, a lot of people will find that it doesn't work out all that well because they'll one partner. If, if you're in a situation where one partner suggests this or one per one per one one party of the couple wants it more than the other, you run into the problem where you know in order to keep the other partner happy, someone will agree to this even though it's not really what they want and. It could cause more problems later. Um, you know, logically, there's nothing wrong with an open relationship if both parties agree that and they really are fine with it and they think it's going to help for the long term. And there's a potential that in some cases it works out. But you can't always take a logical approach. And people even honestly say that they're going to be fine with it. And then they're not because they they didn't under they, they didn't know. I mean, people don't know until you try. And if you're willing and the couple is willing to try something, then it's it's worth but yeah, it's worth it. But it, it's dangerous. It can be it can be harmful. And you just got to be aware of that. And you got to watch yourself and you got to you got to evaluate it as things go and put a stop to it. If it doesn't seem to be if it seems to be hurting rather than helping. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And uh, one of the things that uh, uh, I've done when, I, when I've talked to people I know who are in open relationships, they say that being honest and communication is key and being able to say, OK, um, are you still really committed to me as our partnership and making it clear that, you know, your primary partner is the most important thing, if that's the sort of relationship that you want. I, uh, all the people I know personally who are in open relationships, uh, have a primary partner and then they have, uh, maybe somebody who might be long-term steady or, uh, might be, uh, you know, on the side or, or they just date around a lot. Um, but they are still really committed to their, what they call their primary partner. So, so I don't have a lot of experience with other types of open relationships, but but I, from what I understand, being really honest about it and saying when you get to the point where you're like, OK, this isn't working anymore, uh, having the other person still be truly committed to you. But it can spice things up from what I understand, from what I hear, uh, just uh, if, if you're both into it and, um, you know, you can you can come back to it and, and realize how much you, you miss the other person. I don't know how many long term studies have been done, but I, I think that. I've I've seen I've seen situations where a couple agrees to have an open relationship and uh, they both say they're fine with it and everything seems to be going well. But one of the partners is harboring some kind of resentment that they just don't bring up and, you know, they will continue it because they don't want to lose their partner. Um, but, you know, it's more of a fear of losing their partner that they continue with it. And they'll even admit to other people that it's fine. However, their innermost feelings uh, betray that. 
Yeah. And I think that that's the key there is if your innermost feelings are being betrayed by it, then, or your partner's not feeling it either, then, then that kind of can be the passion killer instead. Yeah. I think this is something you have to tread very carefully about. Um, and, uh, the, you, you just have to know what the dangers are going into it and, Maybe it's a last ditch effort for a relationship or maybe the question is whether, you know, monogamy is something that's natural or not. And I think a lot of it, a lot of that is based on societal expectations. And, you know, that doesn't mean that it's invalid if it's just based on societal expectations. Um, you know, it's still just as powerful as biological instinct. You just got to You got to weigh all of these things and just just be very, very careful if, if you deal with anything where you're involving a third or fourth person <laughs> into a relationship that may not have the space for it. Yeah, for sure. And on that note, uh, what do you think? Uh, Join us in our Facebook community, Adulting TV. We've got a Facebook community where we talk about these issues. So join us. Tell us what you think about passion, what you think about men and women and their different needs. And even what do you think about an open relationship? Is this something you would try? We'd love to hear from you and we'd love you to join our discussion. Uh, Don't forget to check us out at adulting.tv a lot of great articles and resources on being an adult and subscribe to us where you can find us on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Android. You can find us in all these places. Leave us a review and ask us questions. We would love to answer them. Thank you for listening to Adulting. Find resources for this episode or download other episodes at adulting.tv. Thank you.